<clears throat> there was a moment when he reflected on the future and denounced himself, great God, deliver himself up. With immense despair, he faced all that he should be obliged to leave, all that he should be obliged to take up once more. He should have to bid, bid farewell to that existence, which was so good, so pure, so radiant, to respect to the respect of all, to honour, to liberty. He should never more stroll in the fields. He should never more hear the birds sing in the month of May. He should never more bestow arms <coughs> on the little children. He should never more experience the sweetness of having glances of gratitude and love fixed upon him. He should quit that house which he had built, that little chamber. Everything seemed charming to him at that moment. Never again would he read those books. Never more should he write on that little table of white wood. His old portress, the only servant whom he kept, <clears throat> would never more bring him his coffee in the morning. Great God, instead of that, the convict gang, the iron bed, oh, the iron necklet, the red waistcoat, the chain on his ankle, fatigue, the cell, the camp bed, all those horrors which he knew so well. At his age, after having been what he was, <clears throat> if he were young again, but to be searched by the convict guard, to receive the galley sergeant's cudgelings, to wear the iron-bound shoes on his bare feet, to have to stretch out his leg at night and morning, to the hammer of the roundsman, who visits the gang to submit to the curiosity of strangers who would be told that man yonder is the famous Jean Valjean, who is mere and, and at night, dripping with perspiration, overwhelmed with lassitude, their green caps drawn over their eyes to remount two by two the ladder staircase of the galleys beneath the sergeant's whip. Oh, what misery <coughs> can destiny then be as malicious as an intelligent being and become as monstrous as a human heart. <clears throat> and do what he would, he always fell back upon the heart-rending dilemma which lay at the foundation of his reverie. Should he remain in paradise and become a demon or should he return to hell and become an angel? What was to be done, great God? What was to be done? The torment from which he had escaped with so much difficulty was unchained afresh within him. His ideas began to grow confused once more. They assumed a kind of stupefied and mechanical quality, which is particular to despair. The name Romainville reoccurred incessantly in his mind with the two verses of a song which he had heard in the past. He thought that Romainville was a little grove near Paris where young lovers go to pluck lilacs in the month of April. <coughs> he wavered outward, outward, outwardly as well as inwardly. He walked like a little child who is permitted to toddle alone. At intervals, as he combated his lassitude, he made an effort to recover the mastery of his mind and he put to himself for the last time 
and definitely the problem over which he had, in a manner, fallen prostrate with fatigue. Ought he to denounce himself? Ought he to hold his peace? He could not manage to see anything distinctly. Vague aspects of all the courses of reasoning had been sketched out in his meditations, quivered and vanished, one after the other into smoke. He only felt that, to whatever course of action he made up his mind, something in him must die, <coughs> and that of necessity, and without his being able to escape the fact that he was entering a sepulchre on the right hand as much as on the left, that he was passing through a death agony, the agony of happiness or the agony of his virtue. Alas, his resolution had again taken possession of him. He was no further advanced than in the beginning. Thus did this unhappy soul struggle in his anguish. Eighteen hundred years before this unfortunate man, the mysterious being in whom are summed up all the sanctities and all the sufferings of humanity, had also long thrust aside with his hand, while the olive trees quivered in the wild wind of the infinite, the terrible cup which appeared to him dripping with darkness and overflowing with the shadows, in the depths of all studded with stars. <clears throat> Three o'clock in the morning had just struck. He had been walking thus for five hours, almost interrupted, in, uninterruptedly, when he at length allowed himself to drop in his chair. <clears throat> there he fell asleep and had a dream. This dream, like the majority of dreams, bore no relation to the situation, except by its painful and heart-rending character. But it made an impression on him. This nightmare struck him so forcibly that he wrote it down later on. It is one of the papers in his own handwriting which he has bequeathed to us. We think that we have here reproduced the thing in strict accordance with the text. Of whatever nature this dream may be, the history of this night would be incomplete if we were to omit it. It is the gloomy adventure of an ailing soul. <coughs> Here it is on the envelope we find this line inscribed, The dream I had that night. I was in a plain, vast, gloomy plain. There were, where there was no grass. It did not seem to me to be daylight or yet night. I was walking with my brother, the brother of my childish years, the brother whom, I must say, I never think, and whom I now know, hardly remember. We were conversing, and we met some passers-by. We were talking of a neighbour of ours in former days, who had always worked with her window open from the time when she came to live on the street. As we talked, we felt cold because of that open window, there were no trees on the plain. We saw a man passing close to us. He was entirely nude, the hue of ashes, and mounted on a horse, which was the earth colour, 
The man had no hair. We could see his skull and the veins on it. In his hand he held a, a switch, which was as supple as the vine shoot and as heavy as iron. The horseman passed and said nothing to us. My brother said to me, let us take to the hollow road. There existed a hollow road wherein one saw neither a single shrub or a spear of moss. Everything was dirt coloured, even the sky. After proceeding a few paces, I received no reply when I spoke. I perceived that my brother was no longer with me. I entered a village which I espied. I reflected that it must be Romainville. The first street that I entered was deserted. I entered a second street behind the angle formed by the two streets. A man was standing erect against a wall. I said to this man, What country is this? Where am I? The man made no reply. I saw the door of the house open and I entered. The first <coughs> chamber was deserted. I entered the second and behind the door of this chamber was a man standing erect against the wall. I inquired of this man, Whose house is this? Where am I? The man replied not. The house had a garden. I quitted the house and entered the garden. The garden was deserted. Behind the first tree, I found a man standing upright. I said to this man, What garden is this? Where am I? The man did not answer.